three. Welcome to Highest Potential with Dr. Steve Pettit, a podcast that explores the many ways Bob Jones University is advancing God's kingdom through Christian education with the biblical worldview. I'm Daniel Lehman, a current student at BJU and co-host for this podcast. Well, Dr. Pettit, this has been an incredible week of chapels. You know, Daniel, I, I totally agree. As I was sitting there uh, in the chapel services, I started to think, you know, what's going on in the minds of our students? And of course, uh, you're right in the middle of it. So what's been the buzz in the student body? Well, I remember when they heard that Dr. Ware was going to be speaking twice, they thought, why are we having the same guy speak twice? They didn't know what they thought about that. But after they heard him speak the first time, they were all adoring Dr. Ware. They, they loved him, his enthusiasm, his zeal, just his, his love for the Word and how that applies to grace relations. Very knowledgeable, much helpful information on that topic that they honestly wanted him to speak the rest of that week for chapel, I know. Well, I, it really was. <laughs> Was, his messages were very, very powerful, and uh, Dr. Bob Jones III said to me that that's probably the closest to the preaching style of his grandfather, Bob Jones hmm. Sr., that he's heard at Bob Jones in years and years. Wow. So just for those of you that are listening, uh, we, we have chapel services at Bob Jones University Monday through Wednesday and then on some Fridays, and this semester our theme is Refresh, and we've been focusing on really just basic Christian themes or issues of our day. And so this week, our, our messages, three messages, were on the theme of grace and race relationships. And we <clears throat> had thought for some time that we really want to address these uh, issues from a biblical worldview perspective. And so on Monday, we were so honored to have Dr. Sam Horn speak he is the pastor of Palmetto Baptist Church in Powdersville, and he's a, a faculty member here at the university in our seminary. And he basically took the concept of Ephesians 2 and how it is that through salvation we are all brought into one body and actually a new race. That is the grace race that comes through Jesus Christ. Tremendous exposition of the scriptures. And then on Tuesday and Wednesday, we had Dr. Charles Ware. Dr. Ware is the executive director of Grace Relations out of Indianapolis, Indiana. He was a former church planter. He uh, came and he spoke and covered a number uh, of, of subjects. He talked about grace relations. He talked about uh, some of the issues in our, in our world today and basically how to think about it. And so we did a podcast with him, and that's what you're going to hear today. And he's going to cover the ministry of grace relations, his own testimony, really his own story, uh, the current issue of, of, of race relations today and how Christians should think and act. And then he's going to tell us about the book that he co-authored with Dr. Ken Ham entitled One Blood, One Race, a very powerful book of the unity of the human race, uh, first of all, in Adam, and then for those who are believers in Christ. And so I, we're very excited about this interview. Absolutely. And let's listen to the interview with Dr. Charles Ware. Well, we're so delighted today to have with us Dr. Charles Ware here in uh, my office. He is the executive director 
of Grace Relations out of Indianapolis, Indiana. And Dr. Ware, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Dr. Pettit. I have been just treated like royalty. I've enjoyed a fellowship with the people of God. Well, the chapel services this week in the, where you've communicated uh, your burden and the Word of God have been just uh, delightful and a blessing to our whole student body and, and school family. Our theme this week has been centered around the subject of grace and race and how that works today, especially within the framework of American culture. And we had an outstanding sermon from Dr. Sam Horn this week who really laid a foundation uh, for the relationship of, of grace and race. And then, of course, we had, had you here the last uh, couple of days. And so what I'd like you to do is, is, is tell us about grace relations. A lot of people, of course, don't know about it, how it came to be, and what's your mission? Well, uh, you know, grace for me is an acronym, God's Reconciliation at Christ's Expense. And I like to say to believers, number one, grace assumes sin. So mm -hmm. we don't have to worry about we sinned in the past. <laughs> that's, a, that's assumed. But the grace of God, where sin did abound, grace did there much more abound. Mm -hmm. So we're saved by the grace of God. And once we are saved, regardless of our so-called race or ethnicity or whatever, we are one new race. We are God's people. Mm -hmm. and, and that's my passion, that we live out what God has created. Now, several things I want to accomplish through grace relations. Number one is discipleship. Mm -hmm. Loving God and loving our neighbor is the ultimate goal of God's Word. Then the second thing is edification. I meet so many Christians, especially those of what I like to call a lighter hue. You might call them white. Mm -hmm. They are perplexed. They're confused. They're beat down. They're white privilege, you know, power, all these things that just beat them down, beat them down. But I'm saying if you are a believer, you and I are one. Amen. We got to figure out the way to have us and us conversations to move forward with the gospel. So your mission, your how did Grace Relations come about? Because that's a very clear focus mm -hmm. and an intention. Well, the way that came about, I got saved in 1968. That was the year Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, Robert Kennedy assassinated. But I got saved. Two white men came to my house, mm -hmm. presented the gospel to me. I was looking for meaning in life. I repented of my sins in my living room, believed on Christ, gloriously saved, 180 degrees. Mm. First black person to be baptized into that church. Mm. My mother said, you look like a fly in a bowl of milk. <laughs> I told her, no, I'm just a drop of chocolate. Give me time, I'll flavor them all. Yeah. But, but I wanted the Bible. I wanted the Bible. And God made it clear through a series of circumstances for me to go to Bible college. I got saved in March. I was in Bible college in August. God just made it clear he wanted me there. I didn't know why. I was scholarship to, to state universities. I, I, they had a little more diversity. <laughs> the college right. I was going to had one African-American who left after the, uh, I got there. She graduated. So anyway, I, I went down there, but I began to in, get introduced to this concept that, that people felt interracial marriage was sin. Mm. And I had a friend that I brought to youth rallies, and he was an outstanding ball player. White girls were sitting next to him. Director pulled him aside and said that um, shouldn't be sitting next to these white girls. Mm -hmm. He asked me about it. I said, we're not here for girls. We're here for Jesus. And, 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 and he told me he was behind me, the grade behind me, but he said when he graduated, he wanted to come to college with me, the Bible college I went to, and he wanted to play professional ball. 
Well, that summer, black power advocates got a hold of him. Mm. They said Christianity is a white man's religion. He reflected on, well, they didn't want me to sit next to the white girls, so that's probably true. And he decided to go into a secular university, going to play professional basketball. Well, first month, broke his foot, dropped out, went to the city of Rochester, New York, got involved. Some woman beat her up, wound up in jail. A mutual friend of ours wrote me, called me rather, and said, you, you need to go visit him. He's going to get out of jail. I didn't go. I wrote him a letter. I didn't have a car. He's three hours away. Anyway, he got out of jail, and within 13 days, he was mm. shot and killed. Mm. That troubled me. Mm. I thought, is interracial marriage really wrong? What if he came to college with me? So I began to study that subject, mm. wrote my first paper, paper entitled Prejudice to the People of God, based upon that. Because from the Bible, it was clear to me God had nothing against interracial marriage, something against interfaith. Believers should not marry unbelievers. Right. So that got me going. Then, then my wife, <clears throat> who is of the lighter hue, you'd call her white. Yeah. <laughs> when when we went to the same school and and when we were looking at getting married, and um, as that date approached, we'd started an inner city church, and um, all the students, they were white. I was the only black one in the bunch. All the students except Sharon and I was called and told if we got married they would have to choose between the college or the church. To the credit of the students, they met without me, and they said God ordained the local church. He didn't ordain the college, and we're not leaving our local church. So the school changed their mind and said anybody who is a member can remain a member, but nobody new could become members. And so that's the way it was operated. I applied to the, to the seminary connected to the college twice and was rejected. Then a man by the name of John Milheim, the third time, got me in. But it was at that point that I felt rejected. Mm -hmm. I thought, I didn't follow Al Sharpton. I didn't follow Jesse Jackson. I even had trouble with Martin Luther King Jr. I just wanted the Bible, I told people. I want to be a Christian. And now Christians are telling me, you can only come so far. Mm -hmm. And I was really broken. And I cried out to God, the God who saved me, and said, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Do I go to all black church, all white church, talk about one another? And God convinced me at that point, just follow Jesus. Mm. And that's what I've been trying to do. And out of that came a ministry called A Voice of Biblical Reconciliation in 1982. And then ultimately we came up with grace relations. Mm. And my passion is to see people of God, unite in such a way that unbelievers will say we are Christ's disciples and they haven't seen anything like what they see amongst us as believers. Amen. Well, in that, you know, that's in, in some ways, uh, I'm, I'm not saying you were before your, you, you know, you were, you in your experiences, uh, you know, those, that was a few years ago. So that was a little bit, obviously long before where we are today yes. in your experience. And I think the, uh, the grace of God that God gave you to be gracious, uh, as opposed to being in a constant fight. And then as you have used, you've said already in numbers of, of conversations that this would be stereotypical of all whites, which mm. obviously it's not. And a lot of it is just leadership and direction. 
And so I think when we, when we look at the day and age we're living in, and I think of our own students here uh, at the university and many of the people that are, are related uh, to the university, uh, help us understand uh, in the framework of our, our social construct of the day that we're living in. And there's a lot of confusion over uh, issues like critical race theory and social justice and the, the systemic racism that has been pronounced in the United States of America. And so it's almost like a white person really can't say anything because it, it's the system that they're in. How do we as believers respond to all of this in thinking uh, forward in this, this particular day we're living in? That's a good question. You know, number one, the Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we all once walked according to the course of this world, to the to the lust of our flesh, and 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 we were under the de deception of the devil, but we've been saved by grace, and and I like to tell myself first of all that I'm living now as an individual who has presented my life as a living sacrifice unto Jesus Christ, and um, I'm to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, and so my mind is renewed by the Scripture. I tell people a proper interpretation of the text brings a proper application of the text that brings a proper direction for the church. Mm. And so I think it's critical for us as Christians, and the number one thing that God, actually every morning right now before I get up, I begin to pray to God, the God who saved me, and ask him to examine my heart. Mm. Examine my heart for pride. Examine my heart for fear. Examine my heart for, for vengeance or bitterness. Uh, give me the fruit of the Spirit because my passion is to be a demonstration of the reality of Christ. Amen. And I need my brothers and sisters. And one of the things God has done for me to help me with this is I can, I can rattle off a lot of things that some white, even believers did to me that was hurtful. Huh? But I also can rattle off a lot of things that some white believers did that was loving and kind, mm -hmm. and God used them in my life. I can also rattle off some black folk, <laughs> some things they did to me right. that was hurtful, and, they, and some that God has used. So God reminds me, it's not the color of the skin, it's a character. Mm -hmm. And for those of us who are saved, we don't want to walk by this world system and, world, and their worldview, but we want to walk by the word and what Christ says. And if we, if we keep our, our nose in the book and our hearts humbled before him, we will rise above what the world has. Because I don't think, I, well, I don't think, I know the world hasn't been redeemed by the blood of Christ. They're not indwelt by the spirit of God. They're not living by the word of God. They don't have the resources we have to make things as they ought to be. So I think we ought to be an example. So, uh, Really, it, it, it's, it's when you, you mentioned it, Romans 12, 1, a living sacrifice, and then out of that he tells you how to live. Don't be living under the conformity to the pressure of the world yes. and the way the world thinks. Mm -hmm. and we talked earlier uh, in our conversation that the world often gets the diagnosis correct. Yes, It's the answer to the problem that's the issue today. And I think, I think one of the great struggles our students would face here is that li they're living in a world that is so um, information-oriented mm. with technology 
that the, the pressure that comes from the world's way of thinking, which is, you know, like your critical race theory would actually be rooted in a form of bitterness of one group who is oppressing another group, uh, which was the foundation for Marxism uh, throughout history where the, the wealthy are controlling the, the poorer classes. And so the critical race theory has basically been the same thing, but it's from a racial perspective mm-hmm. as opposed to an economic perspective. And, uh, and so it would be very easy for really a lot, large number of, of white people to feel guilty for these things, especially things that they have no control over, which is actually comes down to a philosophy of life and for the believer, it's is contrastingly different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That as we look at as we look at uh, as we look at the world from the standpoint of creation, and God created all men in the image of God, fallen in Adam. Mm-hmm. We are all interconnected through uh, our original parents. Mm-hmm. We're all kissing cousins. <laughs> and uh, the difference that we are is that we are all of one blood. So mm. whatever this color of your skin mm. or the uh, the level of the melanin in your skin <laughs> when you get cut, it's all the same color. And that's something I know that is important to you because you co-authored a book with Dr. Ken Ham uh, called One Blood, One Race. Tell us about that experience and then what what what, what brought y'all together to do this? Well, you know, Ken and I, we bumped into one another years ago. I was speaking at a, um, a Christian school conference, and, and he had a workshop, and all these people were running into his workshop, and I, I was free, so I went in and sat back, and he was talking about the one blood. You know, we all came from Adam with one blood, and I'm listening, I'm like, this guy sounds like he's biblical. You know, I'm listening. And then he got to interracial marriage, and I said, okay, let me hear what the guy got to say. But he was biblical there, too. And I said, wow, this guy's all right. So I invited him to speak to a multiracial ministry conference that we were having. He began to invite me to speak at um, uh, some of the things that Answers in Genesis was putting on. And then I went to speak at an event with him, and somebody came up to me and said, we got a book proposal for you. They said, "Um, you could write a book, and we'll publish it, or you could write one with Ken Ham." I'm not a fool, man. I'm saying Ken Ham is a marketer. I said, I write one with Ken Ham. That's right. I write one with Ken Ham. And so we came up with the one one, uh, race, one blood book, which really is a biblical worldview. One of the things that I like about Ken Ham, which you mentioned, you take critical race theory, they point out some facts and inequities that we have to deal with. You know, we just can't push it away. Uh, They bring those up, but the diagnosis... I mean, even the concept that um, all whites are guilty by virtue of, say, privilege. Privilege Mm -hmm. is not a sin. Mm -hmm. As Christians, we're privileged. Israel was privileged. They had the law. They had the covenants. They had the promises. God never condemned Israel as being privileged. He condemned them for not doing what they were supposed to do with that privilege and be a light to the Gentiles and their disobedience. So I tell people, even for African-Americans black. They never would, we never would have gotten to where we are in this country unless some people of privilege had, had not leveraged that privilege to help mm-hmm. move things along. So my concept is we all have sinned. And, and, and when, sometimes when people use, 
use the critical race theory, they can be lulled into thinking black people don't sin because we're the oppressed. Mm. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you are a human being, you are a sinner, right. and you need to be saved by the grace of God and transformed. So, so yeah, so Ken and I wrote that book, and um, God is using that book to help people with a biblical, and some people criticize the book and my grace relations, and you're just trying to let white people off. I say read the book. It points out the sinfulness of humanity. Which is what the Bible does. Exactly. <laughs> every, every, uh, every famous figure in the Bible, with one exception, God exposes not only the good that they did, but he also exposes the bad that they yes. did. And the exception, of course, is Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, but has always uh, revealed... So that's what truth is. And uh, facing the truth is absolutely crucial. And that's what grace can deliver us from to create a better history. You know, I, I love the grace of God. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be headed to hell. Yeah. And that's so for everybody. But his grace, amazing grace, how Amen. sweet the sound. So with, with, with the emphasis on grace and emphasis on truth and honesty, there comes out of that actually a response that's very different from what we get in the world because the world often will lead you in the end with very little hope. Mm. But with grace and truth, there is always going to come hope. So here you are at this stage of your life and the Lord has used you and I know God's used you in our student body. And of course, you're speaking at Bob Jones University. So there's got to be some, some hope dwelling in your heart as you think about the future. And what are, what are some of those hopes that you have that you see what God is doing in people's lives? My primary hope is I'd like to tell young people that I'm believing God that this generation will be a generation of biblical reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And I see God working to that end. You're right. Bob Jones University, I've had People put on my Facebook, you speaking at Bob Jones University? One guy put on my Facebook yesterday, that's a racist institution. And uh, so that's their perspective from some things in the past. But I'm saying to them, God could get a Peter and capture his heart. And Peter could meet with Cornelius, a Jew and a Gentile. And they could come together humbly and the word of God could go forth. And I see it, Bob Jones, and, and, and some people call me naive and I'm being deceived and all that. But I see it, Bob Jones, and I see in you a heart for God. I want to be submissive to God. And by the way, what Bob Jones' views on, on interracial marriage of the past does not negate what God has done through Bob Jones throughout the years. People have been saved. People have been edified and built up. Uh, even even if they held some of these views, God's hand has been here. God is enlightened under your leadership and others' leadership to go further, and I would like to say, put it on the record, that I am a fan, I am a brother in Christ who want to help you here do everything you can to advance the kingdom of God. Well, we are we are thankful for uh, our, our student body, um, because our student body um, is a reflection of our culture. Mm -hmm. uh, we have an incredible amount of diversity here, uh, and that, that diversity is not declining, but it's actually growing. Yes. 
but our desire is to uh, give all of our students a biblical worldview and through the educational process, um, not only uh, an understanding of the field in which they're studying, but giving them the opportunities. So our desire is to see the next generation of Daniels mm. rise up, mm. Nehemiah's mm. rise up, Joseph's rise up, to be able to take them to the highest courts with a biblical worldview mm. and have influence for God's glory and God's kingdom wherever he puts them in whatever field that they're in. And so I think your coming here has, has been uh, very impactful for our students. They, they definitely are responsive. Uh, and they are, are appreciative of your grace relations to us at Bob Jones University. So, Dr. Ware, thank you. Well, thank you, and I like what you said about it. I like to tell people every deliverer was born in a difficult time, mm. including Jesus Christ. Well, you said it well. You know, there's a reason. Yesterday you said there's a reason why people are martyrs, mm. you know, because there are, are decisions that are being made that are counterculture. And actually, in some ways, you're very counterculture in, in some ways within the framework of the culture that you grew up in of moving forward in grace and in faith. So thank you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate the hospitality, and I feel like I am welcome. Thank, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Highest Potential with Dr. Steve Pettit. Don't forget to find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.